morning and welcome to Key Card, right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, back to your host live, your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome to Geek Card, live on the air tonight, where our motto is, chin up, tits out, and watch for the shoe. I'm your host, Andrew Young. With me, as always, is Mr. Green. Yep. Yes, he's there he is. And uh, yeah, as it was mentioned, we are live again tonight after two weeks of pre-recorded episodes. We're live, so definitely, if you want to send in emails, we'll read them live on the air. If you want to just say, hey, if you want to say, where were you the past two weeks? We were at TIFF, you know that. Or if you want to just, whatever you want to say, as long as it's within reason, we'll read it on the air. So definitely email us in tonight, geekcardshow at gmail.com. We got a great show for you tonight. Later on the program, we'll be talking with actor Ryan Ali about his role in the upcoming season of Sky Med. Sky Med's coming back for season two on the old CBC on October 1st. And uh, we'll be talking about his character, Reese, with him. Of course, we've just spent the last couple of weeks at a film festival, so we're going to break down the Toronto International Film Fest. It's our TIFF wrap-up, where we're going to talk about the best films we saw at the festival. And in mere moments, you're going to get to hear our interview with director Andy Palmer, his new film, The Re-Education of Molly Singer, starring Britt Robertson. Robertson? Robertson, Robertson, right? yeah, yeah. Robertson. Britt Robertson is coming to theaters next Friday, September 29th. We'll be talking about that film and more. It's all coming your way. I'm here. Green's here. And everything is right with your world. We're here. We're here for you. We're back. We're live. We're alive. We will we be, better be alive. We will, we will continue to be live for the next 60 minutes. Yes. You're welcome. Now we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, you get to hear our interview. Well, we won't be live for that part, but we'll introduce it. <laughs> <laughs> Our pre-recorded interview with director Andy Palmer right here at Geek Card Radio 101. Been through hell. This is just the cause I've been dealt. It's been a long road, but I keep on walking. Been a long road. This my only option. So bear witness because my presence is felt. Been through hell. This is just the Hey, everybody. Jimmy the Short Order Cook here, asking you, what's better than listening to Geek Hard? Answer, listen to Geek Hard while wearing a Geek Hard t-shirt. And there's a place you can get them, at tpublic.com slash user slash Geek Hard. We got a bunch of great shirts there. We got Geek Hard shirts, we got a Mr. Green's Tasty Meat shirt, and we got a Back Issue Bloodbath shirt. For all your geek needs, with your geek merch... You want to go to tpublic.com slash user slash geek card. I'm not just asking you. I'm telling you. You feel lost. Don't know where to turn from the dark side. Welcome back to Geek Card right here 
on Reality Radio 101. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Card, folks, where we are live. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. Just a reminder, if you want Geek Card on your body in a nice way, there's a way you can get that to happen, and that's by going to tpublic.com slash user slash geek card and pick from all of our amazing shirts, including the old man shirt. Or somebody say something about me? Yeah. Yeah. You just buy my shirt? Ironically, yes. Oh, yeah. See, I can tell. I always know when people are talking about my shirt. It's a nice shirt. It's uh, made of Egyptian cotton. Well... It's oh, it's not, not made of Egyptian cotton? Well, it's made of cotton. Uh, was it was it ethically sourced? Hopefully. Hopefully, right? Fingers hopefully. crossed. Yes, there you go. Yeah, well, I'll go make sure it happens. All right, old man. That's great. That's great. So definitely check it out. tpublic.com slash user slash geek card. You know, Christmas is coming. The goose is getting fat. You know, it's like 90 days till Christmas or something like that. Get on it. Get your... Friends and loved ones, geek card t-shirts. But now we're going to get into the show. We had an opportunity this past week to talk with director Andy Palmer. His new film, The Reeducation of Molly Singer, is hitting theaters and VOD next Friday, September 29th. And uh, we got a chance to talk with him about it earlier this week. Let's take a listen to that interview right now. Welcome to the program, Andy Palmer. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you for coming on, man. We got to watch The Reeducation of Molly Singer. Fun movie, really a lot of fun. Thank you. For people who haven't had a chance to check out the trailer or hear about the film yet, what is it all about? So Molly Singer is a young lawyer who uh, feels like the best years uh, were were spent in college, and so she still tries to live that lifestyle on a nightly basis. And uh, the night before the biggest case for her career, she really goes out and lives that lifestyle, sleeps through her alarm, misses the case, Think she's going to get fired, but in a crazy coincidence that only celluloid could deliver, her boss's son also injures the star quarterback his first day uh, at, at school in college. And so she is now tasked with, instead of being fired, sent back to college to watch over her, her boss's son to make sure he doesn't make an idiot of himself the rest of the year. As one does, you know. As, as, as it's, it's happened to all of us. It's of a tale as old as time, my friends. Oh, my God, yes. No, but it is, it's a really fun film that's kind of, I've noticed that right now this type of movie is on the comeback. You know, like we had films like Good. Joyride and No Hard yeah. Feelings. I loved Joyride. God, yeah. that movie was funny. And it seems like it was like, it's been like a, a good decade since we've had this these types of comedies. And so yeah. what do you think it is about, this time right now that really is bringing this style of comedy back well i think i think we're coming out of a lot of weird stuff i mean the last few years have been weird i think when things get weird you oftentimes have art that sort of comments on the times right and so it's like you have a bunch of stuff that comes out that's like you know if you have a natural disaster then all of a sudden these kind of natural disaster movies come out and stuff like that's sort of how we like cope we wedge into the trauma right but then on the on the other side, you you want the escape, and I think that's what this is. And it's funny, my my editor Tim Rush had shown some scenes to his dad, and his dad is you know for from what Tim tells me, he's a very quiet kind of guy. And his dad said, you know, you guys did something really special. You you took something that 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 was so normal 
but then it wasn't because of the pandemic, just a college party, the idea that a bunch of people get together and hang out. And that's really special that you guys did that, you know? And it's like, wow, yeah, I guess that is something that was so normal to for so long and then became so abnormal, you know? Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Speaking of abnormal, there's a lot of abnormal hijinks in the film. Yes. And uh, I knew, I, I'm going to tell you, Andy, I knew I was going to like this movie at about the, I think it's about the seven and a half minute mark, I think, when I double checked. And it's the joke when they're in the restaurant having the lunch dinner. Yes. <laughs> or the, sorry, the work dinner, I meant to say, the work dinner. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they do the whole thing about the, you know, what 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 kind of nutrition are you teaching these kids? Yes, right. <laughs> And it's like, you know, 2% and, uh, and, and chocolate. And it's like, well, we have oat milk. The joke. Yeah, that's right. That. Dude, the oat I, milk's the rage. <laughs> I, that whole little sequence of jokes, I just, I just couldn't stop laughing. I was like, all right, here we go. This is what you want out of like a, a collegiate film, old school, high school films, which I'm a big fan of college films. I'm a big fan of like, all of that kind of like slapstick, weird comedy that yep. your point doesn't make any goddamn sense on any practical level like the, nope. the the things that go on but you just sit back and i go man i wish i went to that school yes that's exactly why you make you want to like i want everybody to be like dude i want a friend like polly and <laughs> i want to go do college again with molly like and this seems like a great you know like a great plan and uh, yeah that's all we want to get out of it is that like you want to go on the ride with these guys you know you want to hang out with them and and Brit and nico in particular are just like they make it so easy. Like you want to hang out with them in real life because they're just so cool. I'm glad that that came through. I'm really glad that came through. Especially chemistry between Brit and Nico as this kind of bosom buddies type team. Was that something that kind of just came together instantaneously or did you see them working through different things throughout we, the film? We went through the script one time. So it was like a week before we were shooting and the three of us just sat down and I was, it was, you know, I was like, okay, this is the most important. We spend the most time with these two characters. And they just read through it and it was just like, oh my God, have you guys just, have you known each other forever? Like they just started playing off of each other. And you see Brit and like Brit, who's been doing this since she's knee high to a duck. You look at her script and it's just like every single beat is late. Like I couldn't even see the words of the script anymore because it was just like everything is broken down, every single beat, all these things she wanted to try and stuff like that. And you just, you're like, wow, you know? And then you see Nico, who's like a stand up comedian. So you see him kind of go through his process where you can see him rattling a line. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to tweak this. And it's just like, I don't know. It was really cool to see very different processes, but then they sort of, you know, mesh together so well. Yeah, no, I know. I was really enjoying it because like, I, I of course, I, I'm familiar with Nico from Superstore. Yeah. And seeing him back here and I've, I've been noticing him more and more. It's nice to see him on the come up. Brits have, you know, to your point, a lot of success over the years. It's nice to see her because like she's doing Rookie Feds right now. Mm -hmm. And that's more of a serious show where yeah. getting to see her throw some comedy chops in here. I was like, oh, this is a nice change up uh, to see that from her. When you were casting for both of these uh, actors, was it just really simple when you saw them? Like the first time you're like, yeah, both of these, that they're perfect. Yeah, Britt, I was always, I'd been a fan of. Like, I remember seeing her in Tomorrowland and I'm like, who right. is this woman that's going toe to toe with George Clooney right now? And she's so just her, her timing, like it reminded me of like almost like a Ryan Reynolds where it was just like, she just knew when to like the lines to drop and stuff. So I was a big fan of her and then Nico again from Superstore and then my, my, my wife's Filipino. So I just love that humor and everything like that. I just think is so amazing and stuff like, and I just saw so much of like my in-laws and stuff like that in Nico's character. And I was like, yeah, that's something we can like bring to the table. This is amazing. The movie was originally called the reeducation of David Singer. So it had been written quite a few years ago. It was male driven. It was more kind of American pie and stuff like that. And so I went back to 
to Kevin and Todd and I was like, hey, we should update this and make it feel a little bit more of the now. And when we when I was describing kind of switching the best friend character who was more of like a kind of a Stifler-esque character, I was like, we need to make him just like a little bit more like a Nico Santos kind of guy, you know, this sort of like high, strong, best friend, you know, right or day. And then and then his agent submitted for him. And I was just like, this is meant to be, man. This is incredible. For me, probably the big set piece of the film for me has got to be the Boozcathlon. Yeah. That is such a fun scene down to the sports commentary, the shots. So when it came to putting that together, like how much time would you see that as that like, like the big set piece of the film? Was there a lot of time put into mapping that out? Yeah. So the Boozcathlon, I, I wrote, like I wrote that, that I was like, we're doing a Boozcathlon. I'm taking a pass at it. And then I was like, and I'm going to send it to you guys when I'm done. Oh my, I, I wrote that thing. It was like 32 pages when I first, like the first draft was like 32 <laughs> pages, intricate like games, you know, so many rounds and stuff like that. And of course, Kevin and Todd were like, are you insane? Like you're going to use a third of the film for the booze cathlon. I was like, all right. So we kind of, we start trimming it down. So then I was like very adamant when we were scheduling it that I was like, okay, I need three days to shoot the booze cathlon. I need this thing to look amazing. I need it to look epic. And I remember the line producer in that first day being like, you have two days. And I was like, I can do two days. And so I, I kind of parsed it down even more. And then we started shooting in Atlanta in the summertime. And that whole boost cathalon was supposed to be set outside. So it was, they had the, the, the Friar house where we were shooting had this incredibly big backyard. It was like two tiered. The art department had like all this stuff set out for outside. And then the rain came. So then it became, you have to shoot this inside. And now you have one day to shoot it. And so it got crazy fast, but it was probably the most fun night shooting. Everybody was just, their energy was so up. All the background actors were having so much fun because Brit would just grab the mic and just start riffing and talking. And everybody was just in such good spirits. And I was just like 13 coffees deep. And I'm like, okay, and now we're going to swing over here and you got to get the cup. And I need this card to flip up and that, that glass better not fall. You know, I'm like, I mean, we're just going through all this stuff, but it ended up just being so much fun. And then at the end... When we cut it together, it looked really cool, but it was missing stuff because, like, you didn't know anything about the game. So then Todd was like, oh, we should get play-by-play. We should have somebody come in and do play-by-play of this. And I was like, all right. And so that actually got added later, and it ended up being hilarious, just, like, totally fun. Oh, yeah. No, that's – like the commentary makes the scene, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And as a sports fan, it was a nice added touch. It does add to the comedy of of a scene sometimes. And it adds to the drama at the same time. Well, it does. That's right. That's right. You're like, is it going to happen? Is he going to make it? Yeah. And it is like, it is, it was really fun. Yeah. It reminds me of like, uh, there was it the replacements when John Madden's doing like the, the play by play of, uh, of Keanu Reeves kissing the girl and stuff like that. You know, we couldn't, we couldn't get John Madden rest in peace. Oh yeah. No, oh, well, you know, yeah. that's, uh, well, you mortality know, it, it, is a uh, you know one hurdle you can't you know find a way around. There's no shortcut. The casting department said it was impossible. I thought yeah. maybe we could do it, but you know, Ooh. yeah. But well, the casting you know, well, this all around is pretty amazing, though. Like, yeah. you know, Jamie Presley gives a great performance. Yep. Ty Simpkins, you just can't help but like this kid. Yes, yes. You know, and uh, Zach Shearer is like a throwback to like the 1980s jock douche. <laughs> Zach is a dear friend of mine. And I pitched him to Warner. I was like, do you know who would be an amazing stew? 
I said, Zach. And Warner's retort was, Zach is like 33 years old. And I was like, but he looks 20-something, and he looks just like a bad guy from the 80s would look in a, in a college comedy. Those guys were all 40 years old. And so he's like, I don't know, man. Like, we're going to get, like, some big names. I'm like, he's the guy. He is the guy. And then Warner came around to it, and the casting people were like, I don't know. Like, you guys are going to get some really cool submissions. And I'm like, he's the guy. And, dude, the first day, he showed up in those shorts, and the, the and he's just ripped. And, he's just, and, and he did so much work on that character, and he's hysterical. His hometown found out about this. He's from Peoria, Illinois. The press, the news... Every, the high school, everybody's like going crazy. I'm actually flying out with him next weekend. There's not one but two theaters playing the movie in his hometown in Peoria. And we're going to be there. So my premiere will be in Peoria, Illinois with Stu. It is going to be really fun. I know it is. That, that sounds, sounds awesome. awesome. Yeah. It does. Yeah, he kind of gives me that like Revenge of the Nerds, John McKinley. Yes, or, yes. You know, like, that kind of like, yeah, like you said, like there's no way this guy's 22. <laughs> but you go with it. It really did harken back to those like classic 80s comedies. We even kind of subtly commented through it, through, you know, throughout the movie because, and I didn't, I didn't want to bring attention to it, but I, I also wanted to like these little hints. So there's that great line and Ty delivers it so well when he's like, some old dude and, and, and some late, you know, lady, you're trying to like, you know, hit me up. Are you crazy? And Nico just takes such offense to it. And it's just kind of a throwaway. And then the other one that I love is the woman that played the RA and I'm just blanking on her name right now. And she goes, yeah, the graduate dorms are up on the other side of campus, you know, like, it's like, I know that you're not a freshman lady, you know, but we're like, but, you know, for, for, for movie disbelief, we're just like, this is what's happening. Of course, you've had a history in horror and horror comedy, now straight comedy here. Horror and comedy kind of have the same pacing, you would say, right? And, yeah, your goal is the same, right? Yeah. It's to create an involuntary reaction to something, either make them scream or make them laugh, you know? Pretty much. And of course, you have a background in editing. You've edited pretty much all your other films. This is the f is this the first film that yeah. you haven't edited yourself? Yeah, yeah. What's the advantages and disadvantages of that? How did it feel like working well, with an editor this time? I always say that a director that hires himself as an editor is like a guy hiring himself to defend him as a lawyer. You know, like it's not a good idea. You shouldn't <laughs> hire yourself as your own lawyer or your own editor. It had always been out of like just economic necessity on my other films. You know, that's that's been my profession for 15, 20 years. So I was like, we couldn't ever afford anybody that had my experience. You know, it would drive me insane to just hire, you know, some kid that's going to take a certain amount of money a week and then I'm just going to have to redo it anyway. But this movie, we actually had a budget. And so, yeah, I was like, I'm going to go and, and get the best editor I can find. And Tim Rush and I go way back. He and I have cut like tons of unscripted shows together and stuff like that. And it was amazing. We lived together when we were in Atlanta shooting the movie. So I'd come home and he's in the condo just cutting away. I'm like, what you got? It was like Christmas every day. Cause I'm like, what you got for me? What'd you got? Or Christmas, or I'm like Dave Chappelle, and I'm like, y'all got any more of them scenes over there? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Jones in for a scene, all right. Yeah. It was so much fun because he just brings things that you just don't think of and the way that he paces things out and stuff like that. You need that. And what I would do in my other films is I would very quickly put a rough cut together, and then I would send it to my editor friends and be like, okay, tear this thing apart, you know? like So that's kind of how I would try to bounce ideas off and get ideas in for that next cut. But to skip that step was amazing in this movie. I'm half surprised because a lot of people I've met over the years, you know, when they are used to doing something themselves, don't like yeah. to give that up. But you just are like, as it's clear just then, 
really are like, no, nope, take it. Must be nice to be able to just focus in on the directing and 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 like that part of the job instead of having yeah. to worry about editing as well. Yeah, yeah, it really is. You get those sets of eyes, and I think that directing is a really interesting. It's a really interesting job in the realm of that. Like everybody's looking at you for all the answers all the time, and I think that what happens with directors sometimes if they if there's a confidence issue what they do is they dig their heels in and like i have all the answers you know only i can do this job and stuff like that and i just approach things because i was an editor just from a totally different plane where it's like i have my ideas and i might not necessarily have the answer to every question but i'm sure is heck gonna bring people around me in a team that does have those answers like the costuming in this movie I was so blown away with. But when I envisioned it in my head, I was like back in my college days and I'm like, where's the American Eagle apparel? Like where are the cargo shorts and stuff like that? Like I'm just thinking like muted earth tones and like I want James Vanderbeek to walk across the, you know, the screen at one, at one point, stuff like that. And Tora F, who was our costumer, she presents to me the the costumes on the, on, you know, and we're going through the racks and I'm, and I'm looking at these outfits and I'm like, I don't, I don't know guys. And then you see it on screen and you're like, oh my God, she is a genius. I mean, look, I have the picture of Molly up there in the corner. That yellow dress, you know, juxtaposed against the green of the, that kind of nasty green of the prison cell is like the coolest contrast. And that's what you do. You surround yourself with people that just know way more shit than you, you do, you know? Yeah, that's the key. Definitely. Oh my God. Now, uh, I want to switch things up for a second here and ask you about a personal thing. Have you been able to stop your wife from wanting to buy those construction stilts? Oh my God, you saw <laughs> you saw that post. My wife, I just, I love her so much, but she will turn to me and want something so strange. And so the two things that over the course of this last year, she wanted a backhoe. She was like, I want a backhoe for the backyard. I want to like move dirt around. And I was like, you know, there's some pretty high paying jobs. You could like do that. You know, if you wanted to like shift careers, you know, <laughs> she wanted a backhoe. And the moment I saw those stilts, I, I didn't even have to look at her. I could just feel her being like, I could so get to the top shelf there. I could so grab the paper towels off that thing there. The garage is now my, you know, like I don't have to pull this bin off. And I was like, you cannot have those stilts. You can't have those, <laughs> those stilts. It was hilarious. And cause she, I, I, I was like, no way. And she goes, Oh, how did you know? And I'm like, I know, I know you. Oh, but you guys got to go to somewhere pretty cool recently, right? The next level pinball shop and oh museum. Gosh. Oh my gosh. Where are you guys based? Like located? Uh, we're up in Canada. We're up in oh, Toronto. I, I love Canada. I love Toronto specifically. It's amazing there. But yeah, yeah, this place was incredible. It's in Hillsboro, uh, Oregon, which is right outside of Portland. It was like eight massive rooms of just every every pinball. It was just like you know you have those dreams when you're a little kid of like having free play and in in a never ending arcade. That is what this place is. They would have had to kick me out. They had a I don't know if you saw they had a poster of American Ninja Three, and I'm like, where does one get a poster of a, a mint condition American Ninja Three poster? I don't even know. But it was oh, this place was incredible. I played the Hulk pinball machine from like the sixties ghostbusters. Like, I mean, anything, any game that you've ever wanted to play, they had it there. It was incredible. That's, that's awesome. awesome. And all yeah. free play 22 bucks. And every game is free. Oh, that's, that's, that's worth the trip to Oregon. Oh, oh yes. You guys come, we got room. You guys stay, you stay downstairs in the bed and the suite downstairs, man. There we go. Come on out. There we go. I still have that dream. 
when they started coming out with all those arcade games, uh, you know, like that you could buy, like whatever. Yes, the little one-up games. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, the cabinets, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I started thinking because I've always, I've always loved cabinets. Uh, you know, I grew up in the '80s, right? Yep. So it's like we went to the arcade, which is such a weird concept to talk to people today that are younger. And yep. Uh, yep. you know, but I, I, I always wanted that. And I remember watching Silver Spoons, and I was like, dude, this kid's dude. house is ridiculous. Yeah, Schroeder, man, had the, he had it set back in those days. You know, yeah, that was the coolest. Yeah, but you know, it was really funny. There were a lot of young kids there, and they were having as much fun playing yes. those old games as we ever did. And these are kids that have been their whole lives treated to PS4 graphics and stuff like that. And there's kids playing duck hunt, just thinking that's the most hilarious thing they've ever seen with the dog laughing at them and stuff like that. So it's like, (laughs) there's something so memorable about that time in those games that it totally just transcends graphics and, and all those kind of things, you know, it was really cool to see. Yeah, no, fun is fun. That's what it comes yeah. down to. It fun yeah. is fun, man. And the re-education of Molly Singer is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yay! Of course, coming out September 29th in theaters and uh, VOD. And of course, if you're in uh, Peoria, Illinois, definitely go out that weekend to see the film. You'll get to next, catch a Q&A. Next Friday, you will see me and Stu in the flesh. We will be there. There you go. That's definitely one to check out. Well, I want to thank you so much for talking with us today, Andy. Thank you, really guys. love the film. Looking forward to whatever you got next. And I hope you eventually get to remake the Cannonball Run. How do you know that? How do you know that? Oh, my God. That's like my dream. I don't know. Dude, I am like, get out of my head, sir. Get out of my head. I love the Cannonball Run so much. Oh, well, thanks again, Andy. Have a great night, right. man. Thanks, you guys. So that was our interview with Andy Palmer. The re-education of Molly Singer hits theaters and VOD next Friday, September 29th. And you will hear our review of the re-education of Molly, Molly Singer on next week's episode. Exciting stuff. We got some yep. emails in. Gwen N. writes in, hey, welcome back to the geeks. Even though you were pre-recorded for the last couple of shows, excellent shows. Love them. Hated the old man. Somebody talking about me? Yeah, yeah, that, that was to you. Hey to you. Hello. Love the geeks. Gwen, thank you very much. That's a great, great email. And we're glad you yep. enjoyed these past few weeks. Robert H. writes in with an odd one. Yo to young and green. This guy that you are interviewing sounds like Gilbert Godfrey. Eh. Ah, maybe, maybe similar pitch, but... Very different voice. Yeah, Gilbert Godfrey was like around here, right? This is Gilbert Godfrey. And that was yeah, that'd, be, and, that'd be more like that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Andy. Andy's a little bit more subdued than that, definitely. But thanks for listening, Robert. Uh, we've got more emails coming on the way, and of course, please send in emails geekartshow at gmail dot com. We'll read them live on the air. We're gonna take a commercial break. When we come back, we'll be giving our Toronto International Film Festival wrap-up, where we'll talk about the best films we saw and maybe even some of the worst right here. Geek Hard, Radio 101. Feeling like I'm living in outer space. Been waiting for the day when I can see your face. We ain't gotta go very far. Remember when you used to go to the comic shop and browse through the stacks, picking up comic after comic, talking to your fellow customers and the store owner about what books you should buy. What kind of outside people daywalker nonsense are you talking about? I don't go outside. 
Well, thank goodness for Back Issue Bloodbath with Andrew Young and Petula Neal. When we talk about comics old and new. Mostly old. But sometimes new. Every Wednesday, new episodes drop at geekartshow.com or wherever you catch your pots. Check it out and have yourself a good. Welcome back to Geek Hard right here on Reality Radio 101. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Hard. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. We're going to be giving our review of the Toronto International Film Festival. It's our TIFF wrap-up. And before we get started, we got an interview, uh, sorry, we got a rev- an email from Chris M titled Questions. And Chris has many of them. Hey, geeks, my interview for you, just in case you do not talk about these things. Best film at TIFF? Worst film at TIFF? Any famous folks that you interviewed? How was the food and drink? A lot of wait time for events. Praise to the geeks and the old man. Hey, was he there? Old man, were you, were you at TIFF? You're damn right I was at TIFF. I was there, man. I saw Nickelback live. I was on the streets when they did their show. I, I was like, yeah, Nickelback, they don't suck. I stayed true to my word. How did it remind you? Uh, it reminded me of who I really am. That's what, that's what it did. Definitely did, you know. You know, I, I never made it as a wise man, but I made it as the old man. I did. Oh, man. But, yeah, it was fun. I, was, I saw some films, too. It was good. Thanks a lot, old man. Uh, now, Chris, we will be answering some of your questions in the review, but ones that you mentioned here that we don't include with the review here. Um, I did walk past Willem Dafoe. And I did get a chance to talk with some other people that I'm actually not allowed to say who yet because that interview is not going to air until 2024. So stay tuned for that. Uh, also, a big tease for the future. The food and drink was, was okay. I got to go to a post-screening reception and they had some nice hors d'oeuvres and they had free drinks. That was fun. And uh, Green, for you, the wait time during... Uh, Wait time between movies. What was it like for you? Oh, well, between movies. Oh, man. Uh, Well, I'll say because, okay, there's two answers to this question. One, between movies. My longest one was uh, three and a half hours. But that was just me sitting in my car eating food and watching Netflix um, because I had a a long gap in there. But actual wait, wait. Uh, I think the longest wait to get into anything was where I was in a line. I think it was about an hour. So, you know, we're not too, too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. No. So th- thanks for the email, Chris. Uh, we hope that answers some of your questions. We hope we answer the rest of your questions during the review. Uh, for anybody else out there who was at TIFF or uh, has any questions about maybe certain films that uh, we might have saw at TIFF, drop us an email, geekguardshow at gmail.com. But now we're going to get into our wrap-up. 
And we're going to start off with the most surprising film of the fest, like a film that really took us by surprise, that maybe we didn't have expectations going in, or maybe we had very low expectations. Maybe we just didn't even know what film we were about to watch and how it touched <laughs> very us. Very true. Very yeah. true sometimes. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You see, we saw a lot of movies, so sometimes it's like, what is this film again that I'm going to go see next? I just know the name. Okay. That's, well, that's actually one of the reasons why I like when you walk into the theater sometimes. They're like, are you here for X? And it's like, yes, yes, actually, that is the film I'm here for. Like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, I don't remember what I'm walking into these days. Exactly. So what was the most surprising film you saw at TIFF? Uh, for me, it was Daddy O. Uh, it was uh, very well acted, very well written. It was surprisingly engaging. And I thoroughly dislike Sean Penn. And I say this because this is key because Sean Penn is quite literally 50% of the movie. Well, obviously, our host doesn't know about Jude Law. He's uh, yeah, he's a very accomplished actor. Get a sense of humor, bro. <laughs> Anyways, so Daddy O basically, it's about uh, uh, Sean Penn as a cab driver picks up Dakota Johnson at the airport, taking her back into Manhattan to her place. And over the next ninety minutes, is the two of them just having this conversation as they drive into the city. And for a two-person, one-location kind of situation. You never know what you're going to get. Like I, you, me and you have talked about this before, right? Like there are some really great two handers out there. And then there are some really bad two handers out there. Mm -hmm. And me going into this with my dislike of Sean Penn. I didn't think I was going to like it, but this is probably his best acting performance I've seen of him since Spicoli. Well, there you go. That's, that's an endorsement. And yes, I can attest to green's hatred for, uh, Sean Penn before I even really knew green that well, I knew he didn't like Sean Penn because that was I, one of the first conversations he had with me. I so like they, ooze it. I ooze yeah. it. It's like the billboard above my head. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. For me, sometimes you go to a theater, you don't know what you're going to get. And it ends up being the film that was the right film you needed to see at the right time. Right. And for me, this is, I actually wrote a review about it on geekartshow.com. You can check out all my written reviews for the films there. Uh, this was a documentary called Flipside, and it's about documentary filmmaker Chris Wiltshire, who he you know he he was the director of uh, This American Life for the two seasons it was on and stuff. He hasn't done that much in the doc area lately. He goes back to his hometown and decides he's going to help the record store that he used to work at, Flipside stay alive in this ever-growing climate that's you know not that great to own a music store in and that's kind of what it's about but what it's really about is having projects that are left unfinished like throughout it he explores a number of documentaries that died on the vine that he didn't get enough footage for and he shows interview footage from those documentaries he even talks to some of those people now it was just a really inspiring movie about if you have something that you want to do and it's been sitting there for a long time go do it and that's what i feel like that's what he did he found a way to make all of his failed projects into a very inspiring movie and we got an email in from laurie n who says geeks palmer did not sound like gilbert but i had to take a tylenol after 10 minutes of him okay I thought he was, I thought, I thought Palmer was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, me too. Then 
Lori then says, love Nickelback. It's like, well, that I would take a, have to take a Tylenol if I had to listen to Nickelback. So there you go. We're even. Uh, are we going to hear the old man's review for some movies? Old man, you got any reviews? Uh, yeah, the, um, there's like, there was like a commercial before all of the movies where there's like all these people crying in a bathroom because the movie they saw was so sad. And then the guy who like works cleaning the bathroom, he comes in and he starts crying because he sees it all the time because he works there. I really like that movie. Uh, that, that wasn't a movie. That was a, that was an ad. Well, it was, it was, it was a great movie. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, old man. Uh, now let's move on to our next category, best genre film. Of course, they have the Midnight Madness program there, but they also have a number of other genre films that play at the fest. Cause let's face it, genre films are still pretty, you know, mm-hmm. pretty in the now. So, Mr. Green, what's your pick for best genre film at the fest? Oh, this was super simple. For me, I told you about this beforehand. No brainer for me. This was 100% going to be kill. Um, this is a Indian film that is basically die hard on a train. Uh, but it's more than that. And it's, it's got the action. It's got the violence, really got some violence. It's got a love story, like a, like a, like one that makes sense. There's some Bollywood elements into it that, uh, just add to the fun of the movie and, uh, Everything, no matter what, gets an equal time to shine throughout the storytelling. And uh, yeah, man, it was it was just a blast every minute it was on screen. Wow, that's very cool. Yeah, I heard a lot of good things about that. Mine uh, actually is another film that I've written a review for at geekartshow.com, so you can check it out there, and that is Hell of a Summer, the horror comedy directed by Finn Wolfhard and Billy Brick, where it's basically a send-up of the old summer camp slashers. Uh, done in modern times and uh, a lot of fun archetypes and fun characters to play with. I might be the only, like one of the only critics that wrote a review that was positive during the weekend. And I just don't get that because it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Especially for the over 30 set. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, if you know, you young kids are definitely going to love this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Totally. Totally. And well, now let's move to the most overrated film we saw at the festival. Now, we don't always, we don't like to be mean. We usually don't talk about the movies we hate. But sometimes there's a lot of expectations going in to a film, and they definitely don't meet it. And so what is your pick for the most overrated film at TIFF? Also, a super easy category for me this year. Um I told you about this uh, at the time and is hands down easiest pick in a while. And that is the beast uh, starring uh, Leia Sado. And I forget the dude's name now. It doesn't really matter. It was boring. It was so boring. It's well acted. It's a very interesting story idea. It just super bored me to death. It was just, and I had a lot of high hopes for this film going into it and I'd heard some good things and it just, it, it just didn't work for me. Mm, I hear you. For me, my pick for most overrated is actually another Midnight Madness pick. And uh, it was one that sounded really cool. And that is working class goes to hell. It's the idea of this, this, you know, blue collar town that has been without a factory for a long time and everybody's suffering. And they turn to the occult to try to find a way out of it. And 
you know, there's the, the basically devil worship to try to save themselves. You think a film with that premise would be like, whoa, crazy, scary, exciting. This was the most boring film I've seen in years. I almost fell asleep. I, I, I was kind of built up to be like, ooh, this is going to be a scary film. It was not scary at all. It was just really boring. So there you go. It happens, man. It happens. It's unfortunate, but sometimes the festivals, right? You never know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what else is unfortunate? Is that there's so many damn movies oh my at God. these festivals that we can't see them all. And we end up missing out on one or two or five or ten of the films that we'd love <laughs> to see. Just because of things like schedule, uh, yeah. needing to sleep. Um, just that pesky sleep sometimes just not being able to make it to the theater on time all of these are risks during a film festival and so what was the film you wish the most you could have seen but didn't get to see uh i as i told you before the show started i had three but I, i've narrowed it down to the one film that i really do regret now luckily all three of the films that i wanted to see are coming out over the next you know couple of months so it's not too right. bad uh, but the one I missed out, The Boy and the Heron, uh, the new Miyazaki film, I oh, just, of course. I totally, I really wanted to see that. It was a shame. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that sucks, man. A lot of people were, were trying to get into that one, oh, definitely. Yeah. Two oh. of my picks were impossible to get tickets for. Yeah. For me, as Mr. Green can attest, I tried to see this film three times during the festival. I originally got a ticket for it, but then there was a conflict. Um, then there was two press screenings that I tried to attend, couldn't make it to. Green held a seat for me for like the longest time. I wasn't able to get into the theater. Yeah. And that is for The Holdovers, which you told me is actually a very good film, right? Yeah, no, I really did enjoy it. It almost, it almost made some of these categories. Well, there you go. Yeah, Holdovers uh, starring... Um, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti, yeah. And it's about yeah. a teacher and a student who basically over the holidays have to stay at a... Uh, stay basically at the school, right? Yeah, it's over the holidays. It's coming out later, in, I think about two months from now. I think it's uh, November. Yeah, yeah late, late November. November so. Yeah, yeah. So there's going to be some screenings earlier that you'll see, but uh, uh, late November is the wide release for that film. Well, there we go. Well, if I don't get to see it in late November, I don't think I'll ever see it. <laughs> yeah. But we saw a lot of great films at the fest. Yes. And we really enjoyed ourselves this year with the selection. And so we decided to narrow it down to our top three picks that we saw at the movies and mr green what is your number three well uh here's the thing i i'm not assigning numbers um, these are That's just fine. these are my three films in no particular order so first off i'm going to go with uh uh flora and son it's uh it's an irish film it is it's a wonderful touching and funny film and it's coming to Apple, I think it is in uh, October or is it next week? Maybe something like that. It's coming in the next few weeks. I, I strongly recommend checking it out. It was, it just, it was a really, it was a really good film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's great. My, my number three uh, is one that Mr. Green also got to see. It's a Chilean film. I believe it's Chilean called the movie teller. Yes. 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 It is Chilean. And yeah. it's, it starts out great as film. a very folksy kind of story. Like basically it's this small town, they have a movie theater. The family really can't afford to all go see the movie together. So they start trying out their different kids to go see the movie and then come home and tell them about it. 
and ends up being their daughter is an amazing storyteller. And so they send her to the movies. And when she comes home, she puts on like a play and it becomes that not just the family comes, basically other people that are too poor to go to the theater start coming to watch her perform these movies. And as time goes by, we see what happens to the family. It's they live a very rough life and the stuff that goes down with this this young girl as she grows into a woman it is a deep heartfelt emotional story about familial ties and yeah it's just it it broke my heart and at the same time made my heart sore at different parts of this movie yeah it's a it's a beautifully rough film yes that's, totally. that's the best way i could put that so now let's go to number two uh the second film in my top three is going to be a film that me and you saw to start the festival fitting in it's a Canadian film uh, with a great cast. It's wonderful. It's touching. And it's a very funny film all at the same time. Yeah. And uh, uh, if you heard it, the review two weeks ago, we, we kind of covered that. In yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it, it deals with a lot of stuff and it's uh, it, it handles it very, very, very well. Totally. My number two is The People's Choice. The film that won the People's Choice Award mm. was voted the best film of the festival, uh, starring Jeffrey Wright, and that is American Fiction. A satire that was put together where basically a uh, black author who is not getting the recognition he deserves decides that he's going to write a stereotypically black novel to get attention, to prove to them that like, oh, this is just stupid. This is all you guys care about. And it turns out, yes, white America eats it up. And it's hilarious, but at the heart of it, there's also, again, another family drama that hmm. runs parallel to this satire, and they both work. It is an amazing film. It will be coming out later this year. Uh, definitely people should check it out. Yeah, that was actually another one that almost made my uh, missed it list because uh, I, I kept missing on that one too. Yeah, you kept missing on that one. Yeah. So now we come to our number one. What was the number one for you, Green? Well, my last pick of my top three yeah. is once again, a very wonderful, touching and funny film. No, I'm actually completely joking. My my third pick in my top uh, three here is Kill because it was awesome. I can't get it out of my head. I loved it that much. It's so much fun. I, yeah. And the audience I saw it with also now granted, I think was a big contributing factor to my enjoyment of it because the audience, and this was a press screening. They were hooting. They were hollering. They were laughing. They were cheering. They were doing all of the things that you would get in a normal movie experience. I was getting in a press screening and I, it, it, it just, it carries the film way over besides what I saw in film and everything about it that I really, really enjoy. Um, it is, it is brutally beautiful, brutally beautiful to watch. Awesome. My number one is one that I think, uh, green may have heard me say during the festival that it was my favorite film, of the festival, and that is Hitman, hmm. the new film from, uh, Richard Linklater, uh, where basically it's about a, uh, college professor, college teacher, who also has a side gig working with the police on um, basically uh, like sound equipment and stuff for stakeouts where they basically send a guy in pretending to be a hitman to arrest people who are trying to hire a hitman. And what happens one time is that the guy who's supposed to go in and pose as the hitman can't do it. 
So they send in the civilian tech guy pretending to be the hitman, and he turns out to be amazing at it. And it's a fun comedy. There's a romance involved. It's really well done. Um, I can't wait for people to see it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to checking it out because it was another one I missed. Definitely. So that is our TIFF wrap-up. Of course, if you want to read uh, written reviews on Days of Happiness, Mother Couch, The Burial, Flipside, and Hell of a Summer, they're all available at geekartshow.com. And, uh, yeah, we, we look forward to next year's TIFF. Yeah, and I, I have a feeling you and I can both agree to this for everybody that uh, there might be a few more TIFF films being talked about over the next month and a half. I would think so. I would think so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's be... a lot of a lot of films that are com- about to come out. Yeah, exactly. So these will be TIFF films that you'll definitely get to see when we talk about them. Totally. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Ryan Ali, one of the actors that's a regular on season two of Sky Med, which will be premiering October 1st on CBC. Right here, Geek Yard Radio 101. Want to advertise on Geekard and be heard by thousands of listeners? It's easy. It's simple. It's fun. Email us at geekardshow at gmail.com for information on our advertising packages today. Welcome back to Geek Card right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Card. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. We're capping off the uh, last segment of the show. Uh, we're going to be talking with Ryan Alley. So, of course, if you have any questions for him or us, email us at geekcardshow at gmail.com. But uh, Ryan Alley, an actor who's uh, popped up in a number of shows, he is returning to SkyMed for season two as a series regular as Reese. Welcome to the program, Ryan Ali. Well, hello. Hi, guys. How's it going, Ryan? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Pretty good. good pretty good, good. good. Yeah. So SkyMed, uh, of course, you appeared in the last episode of season one. Your That's character right. is coming back for season two. In that, and I, I, SkyMed was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed SkyMed. I had, I, I devoured it. I think I binged it when it first came out. And, uh, there in season, uh, in episode nine, Reese kind of gets introduced, does a little <laughs> flirting with Tristan. Just and, a little. Yeah, Just and a, then you know. knocks an entire shelving unit on Pierce. <laughs> so we're going to see a lot more of him destroying things or flirting this year. Ooh, uh, there's both. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that. You know, that was actually my first day on set. It was like, all right, you see that shelf? You're going to like drive a plane through it. I was like, all right, okay. No one asked me if I had like, a driver's license or anything. I was like, they taught me how to park a plane. And I was like, 
these are things you only do on a film set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was expecting you to say that you, you know, it was on your, uh, it was, you know, it was on your, uh, um, your skill set that you could drive a plane, yeah. and so they just, they, that's why they hired you. And then you show up, and you're like, I was just trying to get a job. You know, it wasn't on my skill set, but it was on my bucket list. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just the wrong list. It's okay. Yeah, like you know, park a plane in a hangar, uh, take out your chief pilot done yeah perfect perfect <laughs> oh my god yeah so uh so of course the new season is coming out october 1st that's right on cbc uh very excited to see it come back and this season reese gets to do a lot more than just hang around the with the ground crew right that's right that's right i got to uh wear the uniforms for the first time which i remember was something back when i was in season one i was like you know what these uniforms look really really cool and i really want to come back and do that um but yeah that's actually one of the things i'm really excited about this season is is i feel like in season one we had such a tight window to like show reese and like this new character and so he just like like you say, he kind of just like comes in and starts flirting a little bit, but we're, we're like, we don't know who this person is. And so ahead of the season, I really felt like I wanted, I was hoping that the audience would get a chance to like really take in and like get to know who this character is. And um, thankfully, I mean, our writers were amazing and they were on the same page as well. And they really wanted to reintroduce Reese almost, like just have a moment to kind of like, get to know this person's story and like where he comes from and, and all of these things which i i think that's one of the things i'm most excited about this season did they uh i mean i'm curious about that because like you know obviously as an actor you're coming into a show uh you know late in the season right it's it's mm -hmm. you know it's, it's it's essentially done at that point and you're coming into a, a cast that's you know gotten together but then you're only in there for that episode. Then you got this break in between and then you come back for season two. And now you're like, as you said, you're getting reintroduced. Was there any talk between you and the writers about, about the character or did they, did they just come back to you or did, did they ask you for any of your input about, you know, what you were thinking? There, it was quite a collaborative process. I feel, I mean, we had quite a bit of a break between season one and two and um, I stayed in touch with a lot. I mean, all the people that I've met on that show are just like, such creatives and and like really cool people actually even the writers and stuff and uh i've bumped into them at different events and stuff like that and uh i feel like a lot of like who i am made it onto the show you can thank my instagram for that i'm quite <laughs> <laughs> i feel like there's literally um even like some very specific events in my life that kind of like made it onto the show, which is really, really cool. I can't give that away yet, but that's, that's really awesome. Um, and ahead of the season, I also met with Julie, our showrunner, who I had kind of met briefly during season one, but ahead of season two, we were able to just sit down and kind of talk about where we were headed with Reese and like, what are some of the things that we we're going to bring to the table? Um, she also wanted to make sure that there were things that uh because we're based maybe on like some things that I've experienced and stuff like that but she was able to kind of like make sure that that fit into the story of who this person is and that they were able to bring it onto the show in a really um in an accurate way I guess in a way that you know kind of like added to who this character is as well right of course now seeing the trailer for season two the one thing that caught my eye is like 
Oh, damn, they're playing snow volleyball? Yeah. <laughs> Shooting that, you guys are all down and just like, it's like you're you're, you're, you're taking a page from Top Gun and one-upping it here. Yeah, you know. So uh, were you guys like outdoors? What time of year was it when you were shooting that? God, you know, that was that was a team effort. That was like <laughs> everyone you see, I mean, both in front of the camera and behind the camera. But I think everyone that you see from the cast that was there was like, all right, guys, let's do this. We, you know, it was just like it was outdoor. It was in March, which in Canada is quite cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially like, Manitoba. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, this season we were actually filming in North Bay in Ontario. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, so they moved uh, They moved it to Ontario, but um, north, you know, north. Bay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's still it's still not it's still not southern Ontario at that point. Exactly. Like yeah. there, there's a reason it's called North Bay. Exactly. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And so um, the, the, the system worked really well, but we were all really down. We all were excited about the prospect and the potential from that scene. Like you said, our pilots, we love Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> we had to, you know, we want to bring as much of that into the show as we can. And, and so it just felt like such a moment. Um, and, you know, when one person got cold or whatnot, we would just like all warm them up and just like push them back out. <laughs> <laughs> we had a system and it, it really worked. And I'm excited to, for people to like see the whole scene and how how this unfolds, you know. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Now, of course, that's coming out in October. Yeah. But something big is happening in just three days for That's you right. at the Reeling Film Festival in Chicago mm -hmm. on September 25th. It is the world premiere of the film Queen Tut. Tell us about that film. That's right. Uh, Queen Tut was my first lead in a feature film. Um, I actually played Queen Tut in it. <laughs> and um, we shot that in between season one and season two of Sky Mad. Um, so Queen Tut is this coming of age story about this young Egyptian man uh, who, after the passing of his mother, moves from Cairo to Toronto to live with his dad. And in Toronto, he gets to discover the drag scene there. And that just, like, changes his life. So it was a really, really um, great opportunity for me. And also just a story that I felt I could really just, like, fully, like, sink my teeth into as an actor as well. And just, like, be able to give it so much of myself um so yeah i'm really really excited for people to see it that's like you said it's going to be on monday in chicago it's going to atlanta october 1st and then it's coming back to canada um for the inside out film festival in october as well there you go nice. wow that's pretty awesome what uh you know on, on a film like that you know obviously the with the drag uh you know uh scene as itself you know like uh i got i'm just wondering like uh how how nerve wracking was it to get, you know, like to get in and do some of that stuff? You know, it was, it was so enriching and so, so many different ways. I think there were definitely elements. I mean, I had to do a little bit of choreography uh, and our choreographer was Hollywood Jade, who does choreography for Canada's drag race. So I was like, ah, okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> like Pressure never... was on right there. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I'm in good hands, but I'm also like, you know, like, there's no comparison here. Like, I'm like, this is not. But the thing that I feel really, really helped was that my character is supposed to be someone that's like, never um, right. seen any part of this. Like, he's coming from Cairo. 
everything in Cairo when it comes to queer life and whatnot is very underground or, you know, in hidden pockets and stuff like that. So it's someone that like is really like his entire world is about to change. Um, so in that aspect, I was able to just kind of like connect with the character and just give him a bit of the innocence. I, I moved from Syria when I was 18 um, to Canada. And so I was able to give him that innocence that I had when I first, first moved here. And I feel like that was like one of the big pillars of, of who this character is as well. And um, yeah, it was, it was such a, again, such an enriching and such a different character from Reese. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, guy, man. That's, I really like that too, that the, the fact that like these two characters are both extremely different and, and you have, you know, someone like, my character in, in Queen Tut, who's just new to everything and, and doesn't have like, is very uh, shy and doesn't have the confidence. And then you have Reese, especially in season two, like you're about to see, he's like, he knows what he wants. He's yeah. like, you know, he's like this confident man that's got it figured out and just want to have a good time. And so very, very different characters. There you go. Nice. That's, awesome. that's awesome. Well, you, I, with SkyMed based on season one, everybody there is pretty confident that they want to get laid. That's pretty yeah, much yeah. it. So I'm guessing Reese is also pretty confident that he's going to get laid. So there there's this thing that I was thinking about today where a lot of our characters in season one kind of end up in these romantic situations. They're kind of yeah. like, oops. <laughs> oops. <laughs> yeah. And then you have Reese, who from the get go in season one was like, I want that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Asked for it, which is even I'm I'm not like that. So I'm like, kudos to you, Reese. Like that's that's fun. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Now there was before we go. There's something I saw you put on. Uh, I guess it's called X now on uh -huh. the former it's still Twitter. Twitter man. It's still yeah, Twitter. It's still Twitter. <laughs> Twitter that you put my therapy session felt like a season finale. Now is that like was that a season finale where it's like the audience goes, wow, that was a good climax of the season, or is it one where it's like i'm on a cliffhanger here help <laughs> no you know what that's a really really good question uh it was and i'm sure you saw the gift that was attached to it but it was like this moment of like no it was the first thing you said it was like a good like ah you know that's good that's, that's good. good that's yeah, good yeah, yeah it just felt like a tying up a lot of like chapters in my life and and therefore, the post that I overshared today. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I got to say, I'm glad that uh, that that's uh, there was yeah, a happy better, ending better to that season. Better yeah. option one than option two. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, I've been exactly. there. I've been there. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan, I want to thank you for coming on the program. Of course, uh, SkyMed season two starts up October 1st, 9 p.m. CBC. So definitely check it out. And uh, again, Keep keep your eyes peeled for Queen Tut. It's going to be popping up at various film festivals, as he said, Chicago. And it's going to be coming back to Toronto for Inside Out. So keep an eye out for it. Thank you so much for coming on, Ryan. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having me. Have, Have a good a day, night. Man. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks. Bye. So that was Ryan Ali. You can see him on season two of SkyMed starting October 1st at 9 p.m. on CBC. Mr. Green, we come to the end of the program. We have indeed. Tell the people where they can find us. As always, if you like what we do here, you can always find more content over at patreon.com slash geekard. For everybody who participates in that right now, we thank you guys ever so much. You guys are a big, big, big help. For those of you who don't right now, that's cool. We like you too. It'd be super cool if you joined us. 
Yeah, just come on. Like, really. Join us. It's not that hard. Just do it. Join us. Okay, we're really I, not a cult. I think I think well, that's the thing. I think you're scaring people with that. But anyways, <laughs> continue. Yeah, we're not a cult. Unless you like cults, then then we could be whatever you want to be. Uh, you can also find additional content at YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Yes, even Pinterest. Search Geek Card Show on any of those platforms, and you'll find us there. Of course, check out our website, geekcardshow.com, for more news, reviews, and the podcast version of this very show, available on Mondays after 2 p.m. Of course, if you're super forgetful like I am and you didn't listen to us live like you did tonight, the best way to hear us is to do what, Andrew? Subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice, be it the iTunes, the Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you catch your pods. And please, please, please leave a five-star rating and review. Absolutely. And if you want to continue conversation with us, as always, email geekheartshow at gmail.com. I want to thank Andy Palmer and Ryan Ali for coming on the program for Andy Palmer, for the re-education of Molly Singer, for TIFF. For all the great films we saw at TIFF, for all of your great emails in, we look forward to reading more. Unfortunately, next week we will be pre-recorded again, but the week after that we're live for a long time. Live for a long time, definitely. Uh, for Ryan Ali, for SkyMed Season 2, for Mr. Green, and for Yuri in the booth, this is Andrew York saying if you're going to geek out, you might as well geek hard on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Geek Card with your host, Andrew Young, and Mr. Green, right here on Reality Radio 101.